0: Hello and welcome to Insurance Times' Insurance 2025 podcast. In part two of this podcast, we will be discussing all aspects of governance and ethics surrounding machine learning and AI. Um, so, my first question, which will be our debate question, is Is machine learning and AI morally reprehensible?
1: I think to an extent, depending on how it's handled, yes. Yeah, and that's say yeah. to us. So yeah. you've got to be ready to. And, you know, we've used plenty of examples here. We talked about earlier. I think it's potentially wrong. Your customers don't know that by using a certain email address, they could have higher prices. Mm-hmm certainly around things like you know ethnic groups potentially, that's that's wrong. Insurers have to be very careful, companies have to be very careful that they don't actually break the law. In, in, in terms of being machine learning and of <coughs> factors which look pretty harmless but actually result in a higher premium, as in height it could be height, it could be something else. Um, I think there are some yeah. huge risks around machine learning and they have to be governed very, very carefully. Yeah. So they're not more reprehensible per se, but they have the capacity to be if they're not
0: Properly, yeah.
2: yeah. So, just questioning that, though. So, um, that's not the technology play for me. That's the that's the human aspect has has recognised with the help of ML that uh, those traits, or probably artificial intelligence, that those traits are, are um, or those factors, uh, create different risk exposures, mm. and therefore uh, they have assigned. Mm. You know, because it's still a, a robot, machine. It's still a computer. They have, you know, we're using the uh, ML models. They they have assigned uh, sort of a truth to saying, okay, actually, we'll charge a thirty percent increase there. So, so ultimately, that that's a level of human governance still. So I, I don't think the technology is morally uh, reprehensible. I think it's the human aspect, <laughs> and actually, humans are probably morally reprehensible as, as a as a kind of grouping. So we we have, you know, we we have a control to a point. Let alone the kind of regulatory control that surrounds it, and it's just about fundamentally. Though it's, it's you know, if, if you're in business and you're trying to make money, then you will be setting up those um, uh, those structures. And you're going to be saying, actually, if you're six for ten, then we're going to charge for six for ten. That's a very tall. That would probably would be high you.
3: risk. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I agree with what you're saying. I think it, I think it's. Is the intention of the people who are using it um, and the purpose for which it is used? It's it's not necessarily the technology itself, but um, clearly there are. Uh, you know, I mean, look at the look at Cambridge Analytica and Facebook, for mm-hmm. example. Clearly, there are potential. There is potential for it to be morally reprehensible. But yeah. you're right; you have to try and draw, draw a distinction between the technology and the people who are driving it. Kind of reminds me a bit of some <laughs> of the what goes on in
1: sports with, you know, drugs and doping. Actually, what you actually see now, I think what's commonly viewed by a lot of people is that actually what a lot of sports stars do is they will take a drug which isn't necessarily banned, it's not necessarily on the banned list, Mm -hmm. but they know that it's right on the edge. And it's the same thing if you've got this machine learning, you know, for instance, that it's doing certain things which may not necessarily be, you know, pinpointed by the regulators wrong at that time or necessarily break the law but you know that morally and ethically it's wrong to be doing it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a parallel there where, you know, it's,
3: you're really kind of sailing quite close to the wind. It has the, pa- it has the power to corrupt, I think, is yeah. probably yeah. what it is. does. Yeah. Because the power that it wields in, in, in you know, as a potential, you know, is 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 huge. It's incredible, really. you taking that drug abuse
2: uh, within sports analogy, uh, whether it's, you know, it, it always, the abusers, that one step ahead of the regulators. Yeah. Uh, and I think you're probably... Start to see this again, but well, we probably are starting to see this already uh, in in the machine learning world, um, and that's where it becomes terrifying. It's like, how do you keep up with this stuff as a as a body that uh, isn't invested in uh, tracking this on a day to day to day basis at the level that these guys are going to be innovating?
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes, then I would like to move on to who would be the who would be the body of people to govern. AI or
3: the people who are utilizing it. <laughs> so this has been has been addressed quite recently by yeah, the, House the House of Lords. House of Lords yeah. Um so they they foresee um, different functions um, an AI council, which will be made up of industry um, and also some politicians and experts.
0: Is that right? Something similar, yeah.
3: And the government office for AI, which we minister led. Um, and then a centre for data ethics and innovation, which will be loosely uh, the kind of quasi regulatory body. Um, they don't foresee specific regulation at the moment. Uh, how the, the Law Commission has actually said no need for specific regulation for AI. I think there's a un- little doubt that the ICO are going to be incredibly busy over the next two to three years. They will be undoubtedly the busiest regulator. The um, the issues, particularly that it present uh, that it presents, really around GDPR for insurance companies in particular. Um, there is a concept of explainability or, or technical transparency, which effectively means you have to be able to explain what it, why the machine is doing what it's doing. Apparently, people at IBM and Google are, are trying to develop tools that kind of translate into human terms what these machines are doing. Whether that's achievable or not, I don't know. Um, but uh, I think the, the regulatory side of it will, for the time being, be kind of the GDPR, ICO side of things. Um... But no specific new regulatory framework, as things stand.
2: Nick, you're closer to the stuff than than I am, for sure. Um, how
3: uh, how evolved are those guys? How how close to the stuff can they stay? <laughs> So the, the report's quite critical of the UK government it says that 12 months ago everybody was saying that we're the leading we, we, we're going to be the leaders in AI and all the rest of it actually it's just completely lagged behind yeah. that Matt Hancock's been very good at talking a good game but hasn't really done much to evidence it so the report con- concludes with a set of recommendations for next steps um, and that it was only two months ago so how quickly this now happens we'll have to wait and see but they make the very good point that you know this is Incredibly important at a national level to be well and truly in the game. I think it's Putin that says whoever controls AI will be the ruler of the world. And actually, that's probably about right, mm-hmm. to be honest. So, you know, we cannot be left behind. Um, and the report talks about a lot of you know, amazing expertise that we have in this country um, and how we kind of, how we how we build upon that. But um, they're very clear that the regulatory side should be technology neutral it should be about the outcome. Going back to the whole morally reprehensible point, it should be about the outcome, not about yeah. the actual technology right. itself.
1: And Nick, if I'm asking, as Matt points out, you know, you're, you're the expert on this, but if I'm the chief executive of a large insurance company, by the point of, let's say, my person to be responsible for the machine, I mean, the AI, the ethics yeah. around it, the governance... Something goes disastrously long, wrong, it's thrown out in the press, the regulators are taking it keen interest. At that point, if I'm the chief executive, mm-hmm. am I sort of looking at myself in the mirror for failure or am I kind of blaming that individual I've passed responsibility to? So what happens in those situations? Well,
3: there's, I mean, there's an organisational questionnaire, I guess, which is where does the buck stop? I mean, ultimately, the <coughs> the 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 most senior person is going to be the person who's ultimately responsible for it i think in terms of where the actual the technical responsibility lies if you like this is actually one of the issues which um the law commission has said we need more clarity around this because you know is it actually the people who provide the data sets is it the people who who build the technology is it the people who validate it is it the people who who then are thereafter supervise it it's very difficult and at the moment it's case by case that's kind of what what the experts have said so there may well be more of a legal framework around questions of liability both in terms of criminal and civil so within within organisations as well the other thing about organisations is that one thing that that they're very keen on is ethical boards Mm. which is already something which people like Microsoft, IBM etc are doing and I would expect to see within big insurance companies I would imagine that within 12 to 24 months you will see ethical boards established in every insurance company which is quite sits very much separate from the kind of standard C suite if you like and has its own autonomy. Obviously a DPO data protection officer has to be autonomous from the board. It has they have to be able to have the you know power to make their own decisions. So it's it's an extension of that, I think.
1: What was really interesting at our twenty twenty five meeting recently, one of the people there who was a lot of responsibility about machine learning, she said that she is getting people coming to who are AI ethics consultants. yeah It seems like yeah, a yeah, yeah. Of the cottage industry is now emerging. Yeah, sure. yeah, around these consultants doing robots and AI. Yeah. Who are kind of you know yeah. giving advice and stuff. I know you've seen these people.
3: It's one of the world. one of the businesses I mentioned to you guys, Brainpool AI, they're called Brainpool.ai, um, and they're already signed up, Sainsbury's a couple of other big retailers, they're now moving into the insurance they are a consultancy practice for AI experts they've got the leading AI minds from Harvard Stanford Yale Oxford Cambridge everywhere you can think of that's you know a great college or university and they effectively lend these, loan these people for a day a week a month a year whatever whatever time the organisation needs and I think you know, going right back to the beginning why it's been so slow to adopt machine learning it's, it's a traditional professional services financial services market data science makes a lot of people very uncomfortable they don't have the expertise and then the easiest way for a lot of these organizations to get that expertise actually particularly given the kind of wider view of insurance is outsourcing it's just to get people in on a contracting basis so i think people like that like like that company will will be boom time for them
1: boom time I mean, do you think yeah. these companies are going to be good you know do you see quality in these consultants and yeah. advisors, or do you think it's just another smoke and mirrors no, thing?
3: No, I think that you know, these guys, in particular, you know, they uh, they were born out of UCL um, and, and they had the backing of the UCL kind of computer science innovation team, yeah. analytics team, right from the beginning. You know, they, they have quality at their core. Yeah. Um, so I, th- you know, there will be other people who do the same thing. Yeah. Um, without a doubt, there's a really interesting question around that, around the quality, because
2: uh, so we're looking at it from the other side. So it's, you know, so we're working with big insurers who are looking for data scientists or AI experts, or and so on, and you know, and simply not seeing enough of these people on a European basis mm-hmm. that they can employ. So actually, they're engaging us to acquire businesses that have that talent within mm-hmm. and just swallow swallow those companies up, no matter almost kind of what they do, just purely to access the talent. Yeah. So, so we're already seeing that, which is amazing. Hence, we're now starting to go to India and China and and you know, to try and find other talent pools, yeah. particularly within AI,
1: so so non-insurance talent pools. So it could be
2: data scientists doing something
1: else, but they just buy the. That they to could do insurance. exactly,
2: but they could map to, to, map to uh, the world of insurance. So it's you know we, we label it as adjacency markets. You know, so so they might be sitting with you know, within fintech or prop tech or you know, somewhere like that, um, and so so they're pulling those in. But then actually, if you've got two worlds, so you have to, you know, and and these guys are. As an employee, they're charging hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of pounds. I mean, these are expensive talent, you know. So if, mm. if there's career advice to any of the kids, oh, yeah, then, yeah, then you yeah, know yeah. That, that's the that's the route to go. Absolutely. But equally actually then if, if there's a uh, if there's a subsector of the market which is the advisory side, so not just the talent pool, then it's about the quality control of those guys. And and as you know, sort of jumping on the back and bandwagon of any trend. Absolutely. You, yeah. yeah, you're gonna get some real good talent and you know, you're gonna get some pretty poor talent as mm. well. Um, so it's gonna be a really that quality point that you made, mm. uh, made reference to Saxon. and I think it's going to be really interesting as well You know, how do you cut the wheat from the chaff on the consultancy side as well mm. yeah. yeah I agree
0: yeah. Um, so with the introduction of all this um, tech and um, machine learning and AI obviously there's going to be some job losses um, so which which job roles do you think are most at risk within the insurance industry? Underwriters
1: what Call centres and Call underwriters. Centers and yeah. Underwriters. I think underwriters are fundamentally at yeah, risk. I
3: completely, I agree. I completely agree. I
1: think every, so I think it's been three or four surveys that said underwriters are fundamentally at risk. Mm-hmm. If I was an underwriter right now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: unless I was doing something very unique and had a very specific specialism and skill, I would be quite concerned about my job for the future. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Emma, uh, AI, machine learning has huge potential to save costs for insurance companies on underwriters who are quite expensive. You know? Yeah. And I think that that. Represents a real
3: challenge for underwriters. It's already happened in the general insurance space. If you look at it, I mean, you know, 30 years ago, it was all just human underwriters. A lot of that business is now online, Um, and so the underwriters in those companies now are much more strategic portfolio approach, picking up on coverage points, for example, potentially. But they're not, you know, crunching the numbers um, anymore. And there's no reason why that can't be the case in the rest of the market.
1: I think they've got to find a value add, you know, it's to true. what they do Yeah in terms of... The it's tricky for them, though, isn't it? Yeah. This is the
3: thing. The brokers play a broader relationship role. Some service providers um, play a broader relationship role, but the underwriter is a it is an actuarial process. You know, yeah. any head of pricing in reality should now be a data scientist, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Shouldn't really be a mathematician or, a, or an insurance professional. Um but part of that, part of the problem with that is actually getting data scientists into the market, that's right the point I made. And
1: call centres totally agree with the drudge work. I mean, Stephen Hester even said himself recently, you know, he said the drudge work will be replaced yeah. yep. by machines, automation, um, and AI, and I think, as you said, the call centre workers, the basic uh, work that could be done, I think that will be taken up
2: um, yeah, and then you've got some, two flows from there either you're going to get rid of those jobs or you're going to retrain those guys yeah. too. And, and there are there's a school of insurers who are saying that we can now give better customers care because mm-hmm. actually the, the time we have with our customers can be increased so we can support them better um, you know when they do contact us, etc. But I mean, it will be job losses absolutely across the board. Of course, it will.
1: And that that poses massive societal questions it does. Uh, about where you, where it goes next. Yeah. Yep. If you do see lots of job losses and they are quite significant, you could certainly see more of a shift to the left politically. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen Corbyn gain ground. Mm-hmm. I think if you've got mass unemployment, people looking around, they're seeing that digitalization and automation is something which is owned by the by the few and not by the many. I think that mm-hmm. could certainly increase left wing policies. You could see things emerging like, you know, from, from governments, policy coming out, guaranteed basic wages, guaranteed basic incomes, for example. It's been tried in Scandinavian countries. Certain sort of welfare safety nets put in place to make sure that the unemployed yeah. um, do have ways of basically existing and being part of the system. I think you'll see some innovations around there um, if this does you know, um, have a massive The report impact.
3: does talk about National Retraining Centre, Um which has has to that has to happen. You know, I do one of the thing I would say about a lot of entrepreneurs is that, um, that some of them can be a bit once a bit short sighted with that particular issue around, you know, this whole utopian concept of us all kind of, you know, playing in meadows and being mm. in the pub all day when AI comes in. Reality is there is a big um, issue that it raises as well around the human capital, which is very often, I find, brushed under the carpet. And that absolutely cannot happen. You know, that, that side does need to be addressed as well. So, the morally reprehensible thing again, you know, it has the power to be morally reprehensible. It has to be properly overseen.
1: I think it's massive. I think, you know, 20 years ago, I think, uh, what was it, about 30% of retained earnings, financial services companies will paid out dividends. Now that's 60%. I think the ratio between the average worker and the CEO has increased from something like I think it was 30 to about 400. So if we're seeing these things expand even further on the back of machine learning, automation, yep. digitalization, digitalization yep. these metrics increase even further, I think you, you are going to see potentially huge shifts, especially with young people, um, to more alternative politics. I agree and We're already seeing it with Corbyn We're already seeing it to some extent with Trump I think that's a trend that could continue mm-hmm. uh, in society And that will have implications on companies Who may find a better regulation, more, re- more legislation um, So I think it's going to be an interesting time, certainly
3: yeah. The Terminator wasn't far off <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Terminator wasn't far I was reading something about a rise of people who are
0: anti-tech As a result, I guess
3: You can understand neo
0: luddites yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I was in a shop the other day. Somebody uh, refused to use a self-service checkout and said very loudly, they take jobs. Like in the middle I mean, of the yeah. shop. That's yeah. fair. Well, it is, it is, but you know, to go to your point, yeah, absolutely, there yeah. will be people. But then there's right. huge, you know, I mean, obviously, we can look
1: at the downside. There's a huge potential, you know, if you're someone who's, at, you know, look at how many people it sounds far-fetched but it is coming you know you look at the concerns of dementia people living by themselves depressed yeah. elderly people sure. if you have robots advising talking to you helping out with your housework which will happen I think that will have a massively positive effect yeah. on society so like all these things they have massive upsides yeah. as well as you know yeah. potentially huge downsides it's just the way you know we as humans play it yeah, yeah. well
0: uh, thank you so much for your time this afternoon it's been a really interesting no conversation um, and tune in for the next one Thank
2: you.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers.